filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Back in late 2011, I want to say it was, I had uh, joined Black and Red United earlier that year. I'd been invited by Martin Schatzer, the founder of the site. Jason was the only other writer for the site at that time. Uh, I, I pinged Martin and I said, what would you think if I started a podcast branded with the site? He was like, yeah, do it. I'm in. And uh, I asked Jason, and I believe his answer was, will you let me talk at length? And I said, yeah. He's like, then I'm in. Uh, and that that was the beginning of Filibuster. Right before our first episode, at the beginning of 2012, Ben joined the site and came on. And we were originally a four-person show. Uh, but But here we are, literally 10 years later, recording our 500th damn episode. And um, I think uh, our friend of mine and listener of the show, Trevor, put it best. Uh, this is proof that time travel does not exist because nobody has stopped us. It's true. Someone <laughs> someone should have uh, at some point. But uh, instead, we're at least like tried to like apply guardrails for us. Um, <laughs> but no, no one has not, ever done one time. Uh, no guidance we've ever had. No. No, occasionally it's just like, you know, we, we, we've, I'm sure that there have been reviews that are negative, but like I didn't read them. Uh, I literally never saw them. So uh, if you traveled back in time to dissuade us and this is the best you've done. Can I just say, yeah, leaving how an did iTunes you create a time machine traveling? Get, yeah. Yeah. You created a time machine and or got access to a time machine. And yet you came back in time for us. And then you also didn't, didn't even us. do a good job. You didn't no. even do a good job of dissuading us. So, yeah, uh, yeah. what we've learned, time travel either doesn't exist or time travelers are very feeble individuals. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, I've, I've seen a bunch of time travel movies. Like, there's plenty of examples of what you could have done. And, and I'm sure it could have gone wrong. And these things tend to get extremely out of hand very quickly. Um, that is kind of... You think the people whole just kept going back in movies. time and stomping on butterflies to see like which butterfly was the right well, one to stop us i mean i mean that's that's taking the long way around i feel like uh and by that i mean like literally the longest way possible just like trying or, to take a swing at every single living creature coming out of the primordial ooze um and seeing Adam, like which one of these can i hit where filibuster isn't quite so unruly but but the rest of society i go back to is more or less recognizable or what if it's just it's all foxes coming back through the, the the time the time jump, but they're too busy trying to eat goats and they don't have any time to come and like nibble at our ankles to prevent this podcast from happening. Ben's I feel like if the time traveler was going to come come back, they would teach Ben about biology. That would be the approach: is go back to to like middle school Ben and teach him about predation among 
North American livestock and wildlife. Because I, I see, don't I think, think foxes it's an impossible have ever task. goats. It's an impossible I, I think, task. Adam, I think you really need to go even further back than that and really get at Ben before he learns the the idea of being comedically ironic and, and saying something that he doesn't actually <laughs> believe is true because it would be better for the bit. Um, which probably is, is probably a learned trait starting at like age five uh, or maybe even earlier. Kids get, I mean, you guys know yeah, better you than have I do. To go back Kids to figure Ben's out parents. how to be funny very quickly. Um, so maybe even like age three, uh, get in there somewhere I mean, I, I, and then like come well, back I'm, and then come back year after year and like still chip away at that idea that one day well, he and, might and, be like foxes oh. eat goats on a podcast about soccer. <laughs> well, and like Adam was just trying to say, like, I, I feel like, my parents, well, my dad w- was similarly a, a, a uh, ironical jokester. His dad was. Oh, so I, see, I, I, think, is, I, I think, that, yeah, I think this is, yeah, this is a, we're getting this is a into, long-term thing. This isn't getting into like a, a primer uh, scenario. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a spoiler for the people who haven't seen the movie Primer, which is only like 77 minutes if you've got the time. Um, well, and also, Jason, good, though, it's only yeah, a spoiler if people... Well, and it's also a spoiler if people want to see it. I thought Who Primer hadn't. was very good. I, I will say that the person that wrote and directed it this, I think this past year came out as very problematic, possibly abusing his uh, uh, partner at one point. Um, so that it's, part's bad. Yeah. I saw the movie before that. Um, but in any case, uh, Primer resolves itself in the end with one of the two time travelers uh, realizing a way to... Um, possibly i mean the the scope of this thing is pretty huge because he basically takes the time machine back in time through the time machine and then starts building many 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 time machines now that he has one to use as a blueprint um and so you start to think of like how many doubles can this man have and what can an unlimited range of of time traveling duplicates of yourself uh sufficiently motivated to do uh evil uh what what can you get into and it turns out a lot um so yeah primer uh i don't know uh, i thought it was good uh if you can put if you can put the fact that the guy in it is bad uh in real life aside you might enjoy it but also if you can't put that aside i don't blame you that's fair um all of this really is about us recording <laughs> our 500th episode right now i don't know how we got there but we did so hey hey welcome in this is filibuster the black and red united podcast episode number 500 um you might know us for our bits about goats time travel drinking and uh last but not least soccer um we cover dc united on this here podcast and there's not a lot of dc united to talk about tonight so for this first segment we are going to indulge a bit uh, and just see where the conversation goes. After the break, we will have the final caker death of 2021, uh, which will culminate in uh, the new manager, Hernan Losada, uh, who just completed his first year with the black and red. Before we do anything else, though, Ben, what are you drinking? I am going with brandy and ginger ale. I've been on a brandy kick here recently, uh, partially because there's been a bourbon shortage in Virginia uh, liquor stores. Um, the, 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 the supply line been, comes for us all. 
Right, right. Uh, the sh- the shelves have been fairly bare, uh, but also I-, I like to mix it up occasionally, and and brandy is interesting and delightful. So I'm just going brandy and ginger ale instead of bourbon and ginger ale. Okay, Jason. Uh, so one of my friends, uh, shout out to my friend Pat, uh, who. I have not told any stories of uh, on this podcast <laughs> because he has specifically said he doesn't want the stories of our past being on the internet. Um, but shout out to him. He just turned 40 very recently and I happened to be right, uh, in. Jason, I was been... about to say, like I'm, I've heard Pat stories before. Uh, not on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I've been very studious <laughs> about Pat. Pat has been very specific and I've honored his request. I think um, Pat may have showed up as a side character in several yes, he's stories. Been, he's, he's been nearby some some stupid things that he <laughs> did not do. And in fact, for the purposes of this podcast, I will say Pat's never done anything stupid uh, at all. <laughs> um, I, I feel yeah, like so, Pat is is there. Like, there's a series on this show the, of, the... of Jason's friends and alcohol. <laughs> And and Pat is waiting for a spinoff because he's Pat just been lived a side in the character. same floor in the dorms as us, so a lot of it literally was proximity while he was getting does, his comp sci degree. Does Pat protest too much? Like, would he have been better of not mentioning anything, and then we would have never have thought to talk about Pat? No, because five hundredth episode, no less. the The others have gotten the others have ended up on this show, I think, whereas Pat has not. Um, but anyway, we're taking the long way around to me to say that I was in the liquor store on Pat's 40th and it's the right time of year. It's getting cold. I was like, I'd like a good stout. And I happened to find uh, a beer that Pat introduced me to so so many years ago. And it's, I think, his favorite. Uh, it's Brooklyn Brewing's uh, Black Chocolate Stout. It's a Russian, Russian Imperial Stout. Uh, it, it has been also, like, I, as a full disclosure, like this year, I just haven't been drinking much beer and i also haven't been drinking much high alcohol uh content beer and this the the black chocolate stout is a 10 percent abv uh so it's no joke and uh both what two nights ago i had one and i had one and i was like i'll have a, another different beer after this one and then i will head to bed and i finished the one and within five minutes it was like i have completely run out of gas this is taking the wind out of my sails entirely and then the next night, the exact same thing happened. Uh, and so now I'm drinking one, and I'm assuming that I'm going to get through this podcast and then drag myself to the bathroom to brush my teeth and then go straight to bed. Uh, there won't be that anything else. might be else. overly ambitious, honestly. You might we'll not see. make it through the well, podcast. Uh, my computer is uh, 20 feet from a bathroom sink so uh, that has my toothbrush next to it. So, How know. close is it to your bed? I mean, it's, it's, it's closer to the bed. So there is a, I I just want to give everyone a a real odds here. Like bed might be in the lead, but don't count uh, brushing teeth out. Uh, I don't want to wake out with the, uh, wake up with the the terrible mouth of drank three beers and forgot to brush teeth, uh, which is a mistake that uh, I may have made in the past. Don't do that to yourself. No, that's yeah. Brush your teeth at night, kids. I have got a Mezcal old fashioned in front of me. Um, with Angostura bitters, a little bit of Peychaud's bitters, orange bitters, um, some mulling spices syrup that I made for Thanksgiving that I still have a little bit left of, mm. um, which literally like I, I went to Whole Foods to look for whole cardamom for a different syrup I was making and saw the just 
little jar of mulling spices. And I said, this will be a syrup. This is much easier than having to think about what to put in the syrup. I'll just put in all the mulling spices. Um, and it's good. It's tasty. And uh, it plays well with mezcal. And I grated a little cinnamon and nutmeg over the top as a garnish. And nutmeg is hilarious as a garnish because it looks like sawdust and it tastes like magic. I just want to say that there was a, a a thing that happened right before we started recording, which is that uh, Adam and Ben both went to go get their drinks together. I had only just opened my beer, so I had time. I didn't have to go refresh. But uh, I, I knew I had time to look around on other tabs because I could hear Adam making a drink. And the fact that it went on <laughs> uh, for, for a little while, Ben and I both agreed, like, well, Adam's making something fancy because, like, we could hear – like a stirring <laughs> happening in the background yep. and like a clinking yep. of sorts. And it was like, okay, Adam's, Adam's ex- it was a lot into of an extended drink. Um, this is not uh, a slapdash. Let me throw this over some ice and get back on the thing real quick. So um, yeah, uh, it was a, a very uh, like a throwback. I think um, the fancier drinks have not been as common because, you know, 2020 and 2021 have both been <laughs> fairly hellish. Uh, I feel yes. like it's fair to say. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. Uh, but yeah, Adam really, really went for it for episode 500. Yeah, I feel like for for a landmark episode, an auspicious episode like this, you have to pull out the stops a little bit. You got to lean into your brand. And, and my, it's my birthday tomorrow, so I'm I'm going. There you go. It. Yeah, why not? I'm done working for the year at my day job. So yeah, this is... Me too. I'm not working again until uh, next year. Feels good. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's it. That That's all we got uh, for the, the 500th episode content. I, I was going to say, I, I am going to be doing labor, but not work uh, this weekend. Um, I think I can say this on the podcast because my friend's child doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, he, he is going to uh, family members for four days. And so his house is going to be unoccupied. And he was like, I bought a trampoline for the kids and I realized that the best way to give it to them would be like, if it's just waiting for them when they get back from yeah. this trip, but I can't put it together because I will be on the trip. I can't do both. see, this is, he needs, he needs the time machine situation. Yes. Um, he needs, he needs the first, like, sounds like he needs a time hour. turner, not a time machine. No, he needs like the first half hour of primer before things start to go badly wrong. Um, he just needs to go back in time one time and do a task. And then that's it. Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, it sounds like me and a friend are going to be like in his backyard putting together a trampoline, uh, while he, but at least you get to, but at least you get to trampoline on it before. Yeah. One uh, of us will have to get on there and make sure that we didn't completely screw it up. Yeah. Um, If, if someone's going to fall, we're not going to let his like through the middle. Right. It's not going to be his kids that test the trampoline out for the first time. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, but that is a good level been, of trust, though. We've been paid. Uh, we've been we've been promised uh, a recompense in either booze or coin. Um, so uh, that's I'll, I'll that's take going. coin. I, I said booze or coin are both fine, and real coins. We're talking about like physical uh, fiat currency, like not sacks of coins. I mean, I would rather not get sacks of coins. I think I'm just going to ask for booze because that that puts off the possibility of being given a joke sack of coins, which I don't want. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, what I'm going to be laboring. Sa- Jason, what about a sack of chocolate coins? Do you know how Skelt. many Here's all the coins? gelt. 
how many chocolate right. coins it would be to pay. Like, like let's say he was going to buy me a $50 bottle of bourbon for putting together this trampoline. How many chocolate coins would it be? And I don't mean thousand coins. Don't say fifty dollars. One thousand is too little, Adam. That's not enough. And and also, would I want that many chocolate coins? And the answer from a storage perspective is no. Um, I I would have to. And also from the consumption on a chair or something. I don't. You can melt them down. (laughs) No, you don't don't want it. You don't want the. Why would I melt them down? What would be the end game, Adam? Please explain. Uh, bars, bouillon, bunnies, chocolate, various, various things that be. I think that you're limited to that. Adam, are you are you pushing forward the idea that there is a a possible like a mercantile theory, but for chocolate instead of gold? Is that what you're going for? I say, why not? I filibuster all filibuster, Adam. Adam, we've I've always said filibuster, that filibuster the pre-capitalist podcast. Back. No, no, no. I've always said that filibuster comes back to mercantilism. It's true. That is the thing you say. It's very weird. <laughs> but it's true. And it's true. I've said it about every week. <laughs> um, Jason, your situation actually filibuster. reminds me. Um, ar- around the time we started the show, um, a good friend of mine uh was visiting his parents in the Midwest and said that his wife, uh, also a a dear friend lost her wallet on the Metro Mm. and, uh, because it had their address in it. And I think her keys were attached to the wallet or something. And, and so could I and another friend of ours meet up at their place and change the lock? Uh, Mm. because the other friend had the key and I had the, the tools to be able to change the lock which is basically a screwdriver. Uh, um, And we get there and the door is unlocked and we walk in and the place is, is turned almost upside down. We're like, Oh no, they got robbed. And then um, my friend's wife walks out with a bow and arrow and we're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We're your friends. We're here to help. He did not mention that she was there. It was implied that she was also out of town with him. And and we were going to be breaking into their apartment and into their condo and, and changing the locks for them. But no, she was there. And so for, for your sake on the trampoline, I hope the house truly is empty. And it, there's it is a family trip. So um, if his wife stays behind for for no particular purpose, um, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I'll have to yell before I get there to make sure we don't get shot by a bow and arrow uh, or. Yeah you know, hit with a stick or, or a rock or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what self-defense mechanisms would be, uh, uh, home defense mechanisms would be used in this, uh, case. I also don't know if we're supposed to go in the house or not, because this is not a very well fleshed out plan. Um, Jason, Jason, just when you get there, just yell multiple times. I'm a podcaster. It's okay. I feel like that gets you more likely to yeah, be shot and, by a and, bow, and an arrow. yeah, and and possibly deserving it. Um, at that point. <laughs> I've done five hundred episodes of a soccer podcast. It's okay. I, I mean, if you walk into a suburban neighborhood, I assume this is in the suburbs because there's room for a trampoline. Yes. Uh, if you if you walk into a suburban neighborhood saying, "I have multiple podcasts," um, 
yeah that's that's asking to be shot with an arrow that or it's like a bird call um and and someone will probably lean out their window and say like well so do i um (laughs) so it's one of those two it's Um, no win really either way right exactly uh it's it's an intolerable outcome no matter what um whether you get uh brained by a rock or or if someone comes out to tell you about their podcast about uh, i don't know um bird watching um and you just are like i that's great that you do that but i don't want to hear about it and then they just are like no no you don't understand and then all we're of a recording you're, right now yeah you're a guest on a bird watching <laughs> podcast i could actually live with that that would actually i would i would have questions i don't know why if, they would book me as a guest but if i try to assemble a trampoline and end up in an attempt to not get shot with an arrow end up on a bird watching podcast from a stranger uh, I will make sure to plug this podcast repeatedly and almost, almost nonstop. <laughs> Every sentence just on my other, any, on my podcast. Anytime I'm supposed to speak, I will just talk about this podcast and will not talk about the subject at hand. I mean, that's kind of probably going to be this show. Yes. I mean, the, the subject, the subject at hand would almost certainly be finches or, or, or red tail hawks or at this time uh, of year, Ben pigeons or, at this time of year, at this latitude, in this contained economy, only in, contained only in your kitchen. I can go into my renovation that we're going to be starting, but instead, no, I think no, we will I call refuse, this no. a segment. Uh-uh. Thank you all for bearing with us for 500 episodes. We will be right back with Cake or Death. Stick around. It's filibuster. Right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the black and red united podcast uh it is our our final episode where we are looking back on the 2021 season that was and uh, going through player by player to uh, decide whether we want that player back for 2022. And uh, it's something that, that we have historically called cake or death. There is a, uh, a small you, sect you, you, out there that wants to call it something else. A, a small but notably two times the size of the segment <laughs> wants to call it cake or death. You know, I, 
you come at me with made up statistics and I'm just going to dismiss them. I mean, we can. It's we not can made up. There are two of us on this do, podcast we, that we call it literally it's, right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't. Don't bother me with with made up numbers. Um, They're not made up. There are three of us on this podcast. Everything two is of us made call up. It Goat or Fox. Anyway, this is the final episode. If you want more about why we use the words that we are using, go back and listen to. Don't recent worry weeks. about it. Don't worry um, about it. I can't promise you you will actually understand, but you'll be able to figure it out with the context clues because we we don't but... know what episodes this started happening. It's far enough back where I can't I try to explain folks. it every year. We've only done three other episodes of this this year. Don't don't. Uh, this should not be your first episode of filibuster. Listen to <laughs> any other episode of filibuster first. This is an indulgent if this, episode. If this is your first episode and you're still listening, please. Let us know, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com, at filibusterdcu on Twitter. Um, I, I would like to know more about you and, and how it is that you found us on this episode and managed to stick with it this far into the episode. Yeah. Uh, because listen to the last one or the next. Listen to the last one or the next one, but not this one if you're a first timer. Go back, listen to more episodes. That's, that's the important thing. Um, yeah. As, you know, metrics at, listener numbers let's go. other adam, made adam. up things go to fox go to fox let's go cake or death we start this week with nigel robertha forward uh from curacao 18 games played nine starts 940 or so minutes four goals and one assist uh came on he he scored a, a breakaway goal or two he 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 got me got into the possession game a little bit. He was playing in a two striker setup there at the end when he forced his way kind of onto the field late on. Well, I, I say forced his way uh, injuries helped him force his way onto the field. Uh, but Jason, what do you say? Cake or death for Nigel Roberto? Uh, I mean, it's goat. Um, I, I want to see more though. Um, DC did spend some fee they never specified exactly how much but it's above seven figures um to bring him over um it took him a while to get going uh his first couple of games i found it very odd thinking back to those first couple of games where uh almost immediately there were a set of fans who were like this guy's definitely going to start over kamara forever um and i was like what did he do in these games that that made you think that because he had went out and worked hard and that was about it. It took him a little while to figure out the league and figure out how to be effective within the scheme, which is perfectly understandable. It's not a bad thing that um, a player comes over and needs time to adjust to a team, one, a new league, a new team, a team that's trying something new for the rest of them. Um, It's a difficult spot to step in, but you know, he had the, the first few games didn't, you know, not really super effective. And then he had an injury uh, that was actually an old injury that, that reactivated basically. Um, and that took him out for a good while. Um, but yeah, a- as the season went on, um, I did find it interesting that towards the end, it seemed like Losada really wanted to use him as his highest forward um, because he's faster than Kamara and they wanted him to stretch the field vertically. Um, it was a point of emphasis that Losada specifically spelled out after one of the late season games. I can't remember where it was in there because the end of the season, as you might remember, was just, you know, games every several hours. Um, yes. The, 
DC was briefly playing the same schedule that I believe Arsenal and now Liverpool on the men's side both play in which they play once every 25 hours. Um, and it was tough. Uh, it was, it was tough to keep track of what was going on when, but, um, the, the idea of Roberta being at his best in that role does kind of raise questions as to exactly how compatible he and Kamara can be, because I feel like Kamara may not stretch the field vertically via his speed, but the fact that he was in the golden boot race uh, gives him a different threat. Defenders have to worry about him uh, in a little bit of a different way. And I think he actually draws more attention because people are more worried about him making smarter runs than they are about Roberta at this point in time. Um, I'm also a little curious to see how the team figures out, are they really going to be a two striker team um, to start next year or with everyone healthy, are they going to go be more three, four, three, and then can Roberta be as effective as a wide forward or can Kamara be as effective as a wide forward? Because um, the amount of money that Roberta that that they put up for Roberta says that they're probably going to be starting him um, more, more or less says that unless, um, you know, Edison Flores comes through and is excellent and Paul Areola as the recent rumor uh, went, DC said they weren't interested in selling. Um, so if Roberta can play his way into a starting role with those guys still here, um, that means he's doing well, but I'm still, I'm curious as to what that would look like. Um, but all that said, all these are negatives. Um, I think he looked like a, a pretty well-rounded player for the league. And I think with a year to adjust, um, we should be expecting more. And I I liked what I saw in the back half of the season as well. Like he got those four goals and almost all of them are um, in his final 500 minutes or so. So if you have three goals in 500 minutes, that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, I, I think overall uh, a solid enough start that I, I I have a bunch of questions, but I also, I don't think they're going to go unanswered. Yeah, I it's, it's cake for me. I think he, what... I'm also okay with him being a bench player for another year, like being mostly a reserve, uh, whether we play the three, four, three, or if he, if he starts in a, a three, five, two kind of setup, um, or even comes off the bench in a three, five, two, um, just because at this point in MLS, you need to have a starter or you need to have a bench player. That's a, the equivalent of a starter and that's okay. And if he, if he can't, push Kamara to the bench I'm not calling that the end of the world in the next year but I think that uh he can make the future of that role his uh if he can if he can show up and show out a little bit so I would like to see more of him uh it, I yeah it's it's cake for me I would say go but I, I, have, a, I have a little different different take on it I would like for uh, DC United in particular and and the league in general, but I'd prefer only DC United to figure this out. Um, I want the, like, it takes a player an entire year to get acclimated to the league. I, I feel like teams need to figure out to get rid of that. I feel like it doesn't necessarily happen in other leagues. It doesn't happen in other sports necessarily. And uh, if you're paying somebody a large amount of your team's entire salary um, 
that, that that's a hard thing to accept when you're uh, uh, building a team for an entire season. If if you sign somebody for uh, seven figures, when your salary cap is is makes him one of the the uh, the linchpins of your team from a salary point of view. Uh, just saying that, like he has to get an entire year before he's ready to play in this league isn't something I want really want to accept. So for Roberta specifically, I, I, yes, I'd like to see him back and I hope he can do better next year, but I'm, I'm getting tired of, of this kind of uh, framework of how players get introduced into this league. That's fair. I think there's reasons why that exists and may or may not be changing in the near future, but I absolutely agree with the frustration. Um, Next up on our list is Drew Scundrich. Um, Excuse me. Mr. Andy Sullivan joined DC United this year from, I believe... He was with Sacramento Republic. Sacramento, that's right. Technically joined the club from Loudoun. Um, Yeah, that's right. He signed with Loudoun and was promoted up. He had 20 starts or 20 appearances, 11 of them starts, 1150 minutes, no goals, one assist on the year, um, mostly playing as a central midfielder. I think he had at least a couple of preseason goals playing in a more attacking role. Um, But but he played he played winger a decent amount, too. Yeah, he, I mean, he weird, did play. Weird, yeah, left yeah, midfield. Yeah, but it was it was his role was more defensive by and large. He he kind of grew into a little bit more um, attacking involvement, especially playing surprisingly good passes in transition. I feel like, um, but, but had the one assist to his name, couldn't get a, a goal. But Ben, do you want him back next year or not? Cake or death. Oh, definitely. I want him back. Um, I feel like I'd like him to be the standard for uh, for this year and going into next year. For folks who uh, uh, might be newer to the podcast, the standard is uh, uh, the player who we uh, uh, think is the person that we want to be a starter, but at the minimum level. Uh, it used to be, it was originally Stephen King, uh, not the author, the, the soccer player. Uh, it has been Lewis Neal. Yes. It has been Lewis Neal. It has been other players. And I feel like this level keeps rising and rising and rising as well. It should. And I like Drew Scudrich. I like what he, he, he brought to the team and I definitely want him back. Jason. Uh, this one's pretty easy. It's, it's a goat for me. Um, I, I will say, Adam, you said that his role was more defensive and I kind of want to make a kind of a, I, I kind of want to divide out some space between either being attacking or defensive, because I think um, I would define his role as just pressing. Um, yeah. Which is, which is an interesting thing. I actually got asked about this by spirit fans who also follow DC after one of the playoff games. And they said, what, how would you describe the role he's been playing? I was like, that's an interesting question because there aren't a lot of guys playing a role like this in MLS, even on high pressing teams um, where job one, two, and three, especially early in the season was to press. Um, His job was to be effective in pressure situations, as well as supporting players so they could go step to the ball. Um, It was all about structure 
um, and, and being able to get exactly what his role was, which he was very good at. Um, it's not glamorous at all. And I think um, some of the perceptions in the fan base of Scundridge, com- the combination of maybe not, we just haven't had much time. We've only had this one season of watching this team be high pressing, um, but also the fact that he came through the USL um, does kind of lend itself to people assuming that he's not very talented and he's just out there because he works hard and that's the end of it. Um, but that pressing stuff is difficult. It does take uh, a high soccer IQ for lack of a better way to put it. You have to be able to figure out things very quickly um, to be good at that. It's not just hard work. It's actually being in the position to do the hard work um, that, that I think he did a, a very good job of. Um, I don't think he's a starter if everyone's healthy. I don't want to, you know, portray it as something like that. Um, but yeah, I think within this system, especially, um, he's very useful to this team. Adam, you mentioned he had one assist. And honestly, if, if it weren't, it, he fell into a little bit of a Julian Gressel thing where if it were, if it weren't for people, um, mishandling some of those passes that you mentioned, uh, that assist number should have gone up. There were several situations where he did everything he could to set somebody up to, uh, go on and score a goal. And they would like, not shoot they would opt to hold up and then all of a sudden the defense would scramble back and nothing would come of it um it wasn't you know gressel was a his assist number is low because people just weren't finishing the chances he was creating uh in scundrich's chase it's it's chance uh, situation it seemed like everyone was they'd receive the pass from him and instead of doing the thing that was kind of obvious they would be like well we're on the rush let me hold up and get some more runners with me and the only runners that would arrive would be like Scundrich and like four defenders. Um, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the chance would turn into a two V four and that's not really a chance anymore. Um, but yeah, I think with a little bit better understanding around him, um, those fast break chances become more dangerous. Um, I, I think the fact that he can play e- to either side, if, if they want to play three, four, three, he can play to either side of the striker Um they can play him underneath as a pressing number 10. If they want to play with two forwards, which you've seen a, a bunch this past year, he can play the eight. He can't really play the six, um, which goes back to even at Stanford and at um, in Sacramento in the USL, he's really more box to box. So you don't want him having to hold space uh, and, and be the six in a junior Moreno or even a Russell Canals type mold. Cause I don't know if he's, as good at tackling, you know, Canals can kind of get away with roving when he's the six because of the ball winning you get out of him. Um, but all that said, I, I think there's plenty of of utility for Skundrich in the squad on his own merits. It's not he's not here because he's married to someone that plays for the other team. He's not here as a favor to Loudon. It's just he's good enough to be on DC United uh, and and play a role that I think you know I, I think that. It's interesting we mentioned his path to DC United coming through Loudon. I think the idea was like let's sign him to Loudon and maybe mid-season if he's playing well, we can look into signing him up then, but you know DC had some knocks in preseason. They needed some guys that are proven pros and they said like well, you know, he's experienced, let's get him in and he never went back to Loudon. Um he was just it, it was right away and it's that's one of those things where if you it's a sink or swim environment um, and if you get called up like that to fill in at training, uh, the odds are you're going to be sent back without being offered a contract at that time. The fact that they never even sent him back one, even one time, 
uh, says how quickly they were like, okay, this guy fits what we're need. we need. We need a guy like this. So yeah, well, it's yeah. also, yeah. And it, it almost like created a hole in Loudon too. Loudon was, was pretty bad this year. As far as the record shows, they had moments where they were, at least by the underlying metrics, really good, but they, they were missing something. And I wonder how much they had planned to, to have Skundrich as kind of a centerpiece of that team in that, that engine room this year and it missing him probably hurt the USL team uh, a pretty fair amount, but obviously DC United is the priority and rightly so. Yeah. I don't particularly care how uh, uh, the absence uh, hurt uh, Loudon. Um, I just think it's interesting that, um, he had been in the USL for a couple of seasons. He was at Sacramento, uh, before he came to, uh, Loudon and DC United. And it's, it's an interesting, uh, uh, dichotomy of like, uh, uh, sometimes players are definitely good enough to take that step up from USL to, uh, 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 MLS. I mean, uh, some of us who are, are a little older timers uh, remember uh, Rob Vincent taking that step up and playing uh, well for DC United uh, for a season or two. Um, but a lot of other times it doesn't work out that way, or at least historically it hasn't. And so um, I'm glad that this one worked out. I'm glad that Skundrich did prove that he is worthy of uh, being an MLS. And I'm hopeful that uh, as Loudon uh, uh, continues to uh, uh, expand and, 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 and fly better, that hopefully they are able to send more players like this our way. Yeah, I agree. It's cake uh, for Skundrich and, um, I'm looking forward to the team announcing that he won the beep test competition when preseason opens because his fitness is off the charts. And I think probably the highest Uh, of anyone on the team, Adam, do you mean the fitness Graham pacer test? I mean, the, I I mean what I said, the beep test, everyone knows the beep test. Everyone hates the beep test, except probably Drew Skundrich. He probably enjoys the beep test. Ben, I, I do want to bring it's up this day uh, aerobic capacity test that progressively gets more difficult as it continues. Ben, you you brought up Rob Vincent, which means I, I think you're effectively calling for if DC gets a free kick, uh, an indirect free kick from like seven yards, uh, are you calling for <laughs> Skundrich to get the chance to shoot? Um, um, yes, I am. Okay, as long as we're on the record on that, right? Yeah. Next up is Griffin Yao, homegrown attacker, uh, winger, 11 appearances, just one start, 232 minutes, not a lot for, for the, the DMV product. One goal, two assists this year. Um, seems likely to get minutes in an Open Cup next year. Um, and I'll, I'll say I want to see him back. It's cake for, for him. I think he, he had a rough year. I think Losada is not quite sure how to use Griffin Yao at this point. He's, he's tried him at wing back uh, and he under Ben Olsen, Yao's first goal actually came from the wing back position, but it was late in the game and throwing everybody forward. And he was on the backside and, and scored there. And 
you know, wingbacks are going to score some goals in in this system. Julian Gressel scored a goal. Kevin Paredes scored a couple this year, but uh, I don't think that's Yao's natural position. I think he he's much more comfortable closer to goal, but he's also shown he can do the work. Um, so I would like to see him, especially if Losada sticks with a three four three kind of setup. I would like to see him come in for Ariola or Flores uh, in the second half of games and get spot starts uh, playing that role because he can do the work to press. I, I wonder whether he, he had to learn some of the positioning and decision-making this year, and that's why he wasn't on there uh, or on the field more. But I, I want to see more of him because he's the kid can score goals from uh, any position on the field, and I – I would like to see him get that opportunity. What say you, Jason? Yeah, I, or Ben? That's fine ahead, too. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him back. I, I, I was hoping for a little more from him this year. Uh, sure. I was hoping for him to take a step forward uh, more than he did. But I mean, especially on uh, on the contract that he's on on the homegrown uh, contract, I definitely want him back. I definitely want him to. Uh, I, I want to. I want to see more of him. I, I want him to be challenged more. Uh, and I, I think next season could be a a good challenge as to what his is he more a Loudon player next year or see more a DC United player next year. And that'll be a uh, uh, that'll be that'll be notable uh, thing for the team and uh, Yao to find out. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his history as a player, Yao's got Yao's only played 682 MLS minutes, and he's managed to get three goals and two assists. Um, so he has been able to produce. Um, this past year, it was it was one goal and two assists in 232 minutes. Um, so he has 11 appearances, but a lot of that is like cameo time. Um, it's not mm-hmm. a lot of lengthy starts. Um, some of that, like Adam said, he's played a, a fair amount as a wingback. Um, part of that being that, unfortunately for DC, it seemed like uh, whenever they needed a forward, they always needed like a striker. This is how Ramon Avila came on board. Um, for example, they always managed to find someone that they could put in those wide forward spots. Um, you know, they could push Kevin Paredes up and bring Joseph Mora in on the left, things like that. Um and with Julian Gressel being the one starter who didn't miss any time with injuries, um, the only the only reason Gressel came out of games was just the sheer lo- number of games. It was just uh, yeah. to you know keep him from getting an injury. Um, so yeah, the the opportunities uh, weren't. It was weird that they weren't really there that often for Yao. But I also will say that there were some opportunities, and I was a little surprised he didn't play more. Um, I did think that. Uh, there were, there were a few times in there during some of the injury logged stretches where I was like, well, yeah, we'll probably get in. And he just didn't really get in. And I, I wonder if some of that is, you know, I mentioned with Skundrich, that ability to, to fit in the pressing structure, if Yao's enthusiasm for covering the ground and putting in tackles and things like that come at the expense of, is he pressing at the right time? Is he maybe breaking out of the shape a little earlier than they would want. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's an easy answer. Um, it's goat. He's, he is 
a player that can make things happen um, for lack of a better way to put it. There are times where um, he's going to call his own number a little too much, but especially if you're trailing in a game, sometimes you need someone like that. That is like, I'm going to come into this game and I'm going to score the goal that, that ties it, or I'm going to score the goal that wins it. Um, that sort of, you know, deep, deep seated confidence can be what a group needs to spark them. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to think of, um, this player type was one DC didn't have for very, for years. I feel like, um, in 2017 and to a certain extent in 2018, a player that could actually do that. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll join the team in 2019. So maybe I'm just thinking of when he came aboard, but, um, it, it did seem like he's, he's got that sort of quality that you would look for in a spark off the bench. Um, where regardless of the scoreline, he is he's looking to make an impact on every game he comes into. He, he, you don't see Griffin Yao enter as a passenger or have a little complacency where it's like, well, this game's settled and I'm just out there to to see the thing out for 20 minutes because the you know the other guy needed to come out. Um, and so that's just my job is just be out there. It's never just I'm just out there to be out there. It's always like I'm going to go score a goal. I'm going to set up an assist. I'm going to get you know my tackles in. I'm going to cover ground the the sprints are always there with with Yao. So, um I am interested to see what the team's plan is because on paper he has the traits that I think Losada would be would find appealing. It's just a matter of, you know, is he going to be able to fight his way in and be consistent? It's not just that want to, it's, you know, can you apply yourself in a consistent manner? Um not just wanting to do the right thing, but actually doing the right thing on a regular enough basis that you're getting into the lineup. Um, I would, I would love to see him break in a little more this year. Um, and it's probably important for him to break in a little more this year. Um, if he's, you know, he's 19 this year, if he's turning 20 and it's year four in his pro career and it's still, he's not really finding a way to more than 400 minutes, um, which he hasn't played 400 minutes in a single season yet. Um, if he's not finding a way to that kind of playing time, then it starts to become like, well, maybe this is just not the spot. Um, right. But uh, I, I do have hope that he can make that um, make that next step and become more of a regular, whether it's wing back or uh, as a forward, either way, um, you know, the work that will be involved to make the step at one position rather than the other is going to be pretty different, but um, I, I think there's a good player in there is an MLS caliber player for sure. And maybe, you know, it's also one of those things where it's kind of, you want to think, oh, it's year, you know, he's been here for three years already and it hasn't happened yet. It's like, well, yes, but he's only 19. Um, it's not essential that he already be a starter just yet. So hopefully it, this is, you know, a year of progress for him, but yeah, you definitely want to keep him around. And um, the good news being, you know, the open cup, uh, format came out uh, earlier this year. So uh, if DC is going to win a trophy, that is still the shortest path to one, though it's now a little longer than it used to be because now it's six games uh, for DC. Um, so that's six more opportunities um, for, for Yao to get more time in important games. And I'd like to see that as a part of the emphasis here. Moving on to the lightning round. Um we're going to start with Chris Seitz, backup goalkeeper. Started the season as the second uh, on the depth chart. I think safe to say he ended it third. Uh, he had four appearances. All of them starts. Played every minute in those four games for 360 minutes. Um, he 
was pretty open about dealing with some mental health challenges this year. Um, so my question at this point um, is, is do we want him back for next year? I mean, I, I I respect his mental health challenges, and and the, I support him in all of those. Uh, but going strictly onto the field, um, I would prefer someone who uh, DC United can take a flyer on, can can try and develop into the next couple of years of a goalkeeper. Um, with uh, Hamid and Kempen, they have. Uh, to uh, 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 solidly mature goalkeepers, and they need to start uh, looking at the next generation. I mean, it's not going to be here forever. Uh, they probably won't. You find shut your mouth. The, <laughs> they probably won't find the next generation of goalkeepers this coming season, but they have to keep trying. They have to keep looking for that because uh, uh, Bill Meads, like I said, he's not going to be here forever. Uh, and so they have, they like, especially now they have to start looking and having two, uh, uh, solid goalkeepers in their thirties, uh, is one thing. And I don't think there's a point of having three. And so, uh, I would say, uh, this is a lightning round. Come on. (laughs) You, you introduced it just as long as I just finished it. So you have only yourself to blame. No, I do the introduction and then it's lightning round. No, no, you you context. No, you don't. You can lightning round your context. (laughs) I lightning round my answers just like you guys do. Uh, I'm the same. I think uh, it's the best for everyone involved for sites to move on somewhere else. So um, I wish him all the luck. I I hope that he he is able to play again and at a high level. Um, I just don't think that's going to be here. Jason? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with Fox. Um, I think Seitz is an awesome guy. Uh, I didn't work out with DC. And like Ben said, um, having having your third string goalkeeper be another veteran, having three veterans, that's not really an ideal roster setup. And I think DC will probably be looking to uh, adjust that and have a younger prospect coming in. Next up, Kamarni Smith who played very few minutes, I think uh, almost one game's worth of minutes across three appearances for DC United, played a fair bit more for for Loudon, 17 games, uh, more than 1,200 minutes, just one goal to show from that, though. Um, Jason, cake or death? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Goat here um, in part because I know he didn't score with Loudon, but all I heard good things um, in general, and I think there is something there to be developed. There's a a directness to Smith's game that I like as a forward. So I want I want to see DC refine that. They've also got the international spots where they can take the chance. So I say go. Yeah, I agree. I I think he's he's a Loudon Loney, so he's not going to take up one of DC United's international spots. It'll be one of Loudon's, but I think it's worth it for for another year. And we know he'll. I think we know he'll be back for next year. Um, we do so, know that. We don't know whether he'll be allowed in Loney or not. Um, right. That is Correct. the speculative part. Yeah, that, that part is is speculation. But I feel pretty confident in it, at least to start the year. I would love mm. to see him catch fire, though, and force his way up to the first team. Ben? Go. 
Good answer. Uh, next up, Eric Sorga. Good lightning rounding, Ben. I'm proud of you. Uh, Eric Sorga, uh, Estonian messy, as he's been somewhat derisively no, called. No, had, no, had four, the He had four starts, including the, the season opener. Uh, or four appearances, excuse me. Three starts. Only 250 minutes. No goals, no assists mm-hmm. in that short time before he was displaced by Ola Kamara and who we have come to think of as DC United starters over the course of this year. He spent the back half of the year on loan in Europe, where he is scoring at a much greater clip than he did in his time with DC. The speculation has been that he is going to get a full transfer uh, somewhere over in Europe, um, probably before the end of this winter. But uh, Ben, if you had your druthers, would you have him back or not? Cake or death? Uh, I think it's kind of it's kind of like the the, the mirror image of Brendan Hines Ike. I think uh, Brendan Hines Ike comes uh, gets transferred to DC United, and Eric Sorga gets transferred to uh, where he wants to go in Europe. So I say uh, Fox for Eric Sorga. Two ships passing in the night. Yeah, Jason, what do you say? Uh, yeah, I've got to land on on Fox. Um, I think Sorga is a good player, and in a in a good situation, things maybe would have worked out a little different. But with Roberta coming in, I don't think there's an avenue for him to play very much. And at that point, he's he turns 22 this season. Um, and at that point, it's probably time to accept that it didn't work out here. So um, I I will say, I want to add here just as a a factual thing. Um, his loan to to VVV Venlo doesn't run through their whole season. It only runs to like nine days from now. We're recording on the 22nd. Um, so DC has got to make a decision on that front very soon, whether they're going to extend that loan or bring him back or what they're going to do. Um, my guess is that the fact that they kept Smith means it's probably, they're probably thinking Fox as well. Yeah. I think the two of them swapped places for when Smith was called up to DC United Sorga went down to Loudon and I don't think that's where he wants to be. I don't think that he's got a lot of room to grow at Loudon. I think he needs minutes at an MLS high level or, or above. I don't know that Losada's system is the right one for him. Um, I don't know that Ben Olsen, especially that, that last season of Ben Olsen was right for him either. It just, the signing didn't quite work and that happens sometimes, but I think he's more comfortable in Europe and I think he can find success there. So uh, I will wish him the best of luck uh, and, and send him on his way. Um, that's the end of the lightning see, round. Adam, Adam, see, you're not even saying your thing. You're no, because I'm all the, in my head. Now just come to us. You keep exactly. calling me out. Come to us with the goat and Fox. I will not do that. There might be a compromise position somewhere else, but that's not it. Um, that's the end of the lightning round. So we're going to end the show talking about DC United's manager, Hernan Losada, uh, who, who came in this year. Um, we had a preseason interview with him on the show. He changed a lot about DC United this year. Um, the approach was very different from Ben Olsen and the the decade under him it still started with defense it was just a very different defensive mindset different attacking mindset it was good for 47 points and eighth place in the eastern conference this year 
14 wins, five draws, 15 losses, 56 goals for and 54 goals against. Um, definitely a, a high scoring year. DC was one of the higher scoring teams in the league. Um, they they matched their expected goals pretty closely this year, and where they fell short against the the advanced metrics was was on the defensive side. Whatever cause you want to ascribe to that, they they were expected on the metrics to only give up about thirty eight goals, gave up fifty four. That's a pretty uh, dramatic departure from that. But their expected goals, expected points, goals plus whatever ex- advanced metric you want to use that. American soccer analysis posts on or publishes on or maintains they were third in MLS, not eighth in the East third in the entire league on those. So based on all of that, knowing that he came from, from Europe, he has aspirations to go back to Europe. Most likely Ben cake or death for Anon Losada. Oh, definite goat. Uh, for however long he wants to stay, uh, I think he fits the uh, MLS paradigm better. It, it, like he is an up and coming uh, manager, and for however long DC United can keep him, uh, that's good. Um, and so uh, I want him to expand DC United's uh, ability to play. I want them to play new and interesting methods. And uh, I'm fine with whenever he uh, decides to move on, it's time to move on. I loved Ben Olsen, but I think 10 years is too long uh, for this version of MLS. Uh, So I'm good with uh, Hernan Losada and however long he's here. I agree. I, I want Losada back next year. It's cake. It's it's all the cake he wants, which probably won't be very much because he's obsessed with fitness. Um, but the the way the team played this year, it wasn't just Red Bull smash and grab soccer. They they actually played a little bit, uh, especially there in the middle part of the year when things were clicking. Uh, to the point that Matt Doyle like kept pointing that out, uh, saying that the reputation of this team is is a little undeserved because they can they can play with the ball a little bit as well, uh, and the, that combination of being able to press teams and and hit them in in that way, but also if that's not working, having a plan B. Um, and when the games came fast and furious, and he dropped into a mid block, th- there was something there. It wasn't quite as successful over over several games but there was there was obviously something there his approach of of saying these are our principles but this is how we're going to murder this team specifically and what we're going to take away from them i i adore i i think it's really good i would like to see what happens when he has a a team coming off of a full off season and a full preseason um, knowing what the expectations are, because he was hired so late last year that yeah, and, the, the and off-season also, fitness would, plan was was out of date immediately. And I would also love to see what uh, he and Lucy Rushton can do. Yeah, uh, this absolutely. Season. That that yeah, that was my next point. Is I want to see what he can do when he has some input into the player selection, because he did this this year with no say over the players. You know, except maybe at the margins at midseason. He may have had something to say about Roberta's signing or Nahar's signing early on in the year, but really he 
he had very little to say about this roster and he's going to have more to say going forward, both um, in his thoughts on specific players and also telling the, the front office what his needs are and then letting them go find that. And so I'm really excited to see what, what he has in store for next year. I don't know how long DC United will be able to hold on to him because he is ambitious. Um, and that's not a bad thing necessarily, but I, I really want to see him uh, lift some trophies here in DC. And I think there's a chance he could. So it's, it's easy cake for me. Yeah, this one's, this was arguably the easiest one we've had. Uh, it's goat for sure. I, I think on top of what you guys said, one thing I think that's really not just notable, but important here is that Losada kind of brought the fan base back to life a little bit. Um, yeah. There's an excitement factor for DC fans and even for like national people, national observers talking about DC that aren't in our little bubble. Um, there's an interest level that wasn't there before. Um, and some of that is the style change for sure. Um, a lot of it's a style change. But there's a certain level of willingness to stick to that um, that I think is a really, really important, you know, digression for DC, a different, a change of path uh, that for the long, for the longest time, this team was pragmatic and sometimes it went badly and sometimes it went pretty well, but pragmatism underlined everything. And this was a team that was willing to be what they needed to be rather than what they wanted to be. Um, and Losada has come in and really said, like, there are things we want to do. They're not things we have to do. They're things we want to do. We're choosing to be this kind of team. We're choosing a style. Uh, we're choosing principles of play that we're going to, that they're not so inflexible that we, we're just going to send them out and that's that, and we never change anything. It's, that's a thing you can't really do. It hasn't really been a thing you can do for a long time but he has a clear vision on principles of play that still allow him to alter the, the specifics from game to game, which I think is really important. Um, I, I think this team went, um, uh, you know, when we entered this season, we were like, well, you know, if DC's in the reckoning on the final day of the season, that'll we'll count that as pretty good because the team didn't really bring in much of anything. They brought in Nigel Roberta and, um, at the start of the, before the season kicked off, that was it. We were in the preseason. It was like, well, this Robertha saga might get cleared up one day. And that seems to be about it. The Drew Scundrich was right. like the other half of the off season moves. Yep. And that was Andy about really home. Almost yeah, as an afterthought. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. We weren't expecting him to be much of a factor. Uh, speaking of players that I think Losada is the only coach in the league that would have had the vision to yeah. use him the way he did. And in fact, inspired yeah. multiple copycats or at least attempted copycats because they, they didn't really <laughs> do a good job of it because we've talked about this. Um, yeah, there, I there's think, not many Andy Nahars. Yeah, you don't have Andy Nahars just everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think Losada has breathed some life into the club on a on a big picture level, you know, putting tactics aside. Um, but tactically, he's also he made the team much more interesting for sure. Um, and, and yes, there were sometimes it didn't quite work. The mid block certainly needs work. I would also argue that um, he needs a roster more built to play the way he wants to play. You know, he had to do this this year with a roster that was built to play the pragmatic uh, style of Ben Olsen uh, with almost no changes. Um, so the fact that they got, they did as well as they did without 
much change to the squad at all. It does bode well provided those changes come in. And he has been upfront about wanting to make, he wanted to make moves in the summer. Um, he noted that yep. multiple times, not just these weren't leaks. This was like in a post-game press conference saying, you know, we, we probably could use some more signings and I would like, I would like that to happen, please. Um, so it's a big winter as far as, you know, you guys mentioned his ambitions. Um, when you have an ambitious coach, they're not going to stick around forever if you don't help them out with the signings that, that they've been talking about. So the test really for me is on DC to uh, answer that call and, and find a way to make it work because we've gotten into, you know, last week it was Edison Flores's contract. The week before that, we talked about Paul Ariola. Um, the fact that he could be paid down with Tam, um, an ambitious club is considering that and saying like, let's, if we don't want to have three designated players, maybe we'll use some Tam and pay him down and have two, but a third, another player at that level is brought in or players for that under 22 initiative, um, get -hmm. brought in, which DC did not use that initiative at all, which I feel like is a little frustrating because it seems like it's, it's right there guys. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, on the, on the Losada front, I, I feel like the players bought in completely. Um, I didn't notice, you know, other than maybe Yamil Assad, which we still don't know exactly what went wrong there. Uh, it's going to be one of the great mysteries of, of the last five years of DC United, I feel like. Um, yeah, the, the players were playing at a higher level. I mean, look at the difference with Julian Gressel in 2020 versus 2021. Um, look at Ola Kamara in 2020 versus 2021. Um, that says it all for me. Um, yeah, I think not only should he be allowed to stick around, but I, I feel like the team needs to match his ambition and make those transfers off the field. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to spend $10 million to do it. Um, there are plenty of ways to, to solve this puzzle. Um, I just, I really hope that this is an off season where we're talking about how they figured out one of those ways um, and not just sort of like, well, we let some guys go and restock the roster with roughly equivalent guys. That would be very disappointing. Um, but yeah, for, for Losada, I've got no real qualms. Um, I, I also don't really have a qualm about the the team's injury record because I think a lot of those were contact injuries. Um, and I can't, I know we've talked about it before on the show, but I can't emphasize enough how there's a difference between these things. Um, if you see someone go down because they got cracked in the ankle by the Philadelphia Union, that's not a that's not a coaching methodology thing that's going to fix that because that's ultimately comes down to like Casper Shabilko is decided to wear his metal studs and stomp on somebody. Um, yep. You can't tactically avoid that unless you literally don't play the game. So yeah, um, the other thing on injuries is in 2020, DC United I think set a new record on muscle injuries or on injuries generally, but with games every three days for several months there's going to be muscle injuries and you can't just play, you can't sub everyone out and just change all 11 starters every, every game out. And that's going to lead to muscle injuries. I I agree. I'm agreeing with you. This year's schedule does allow for a team that wants to press as intensely as DC does to do that more. Um, It's not perfect. We talked about that quite a bit. Um, There's a stretch there. That's going to be pretty rough, but um Fortunately, the first half of the season is just a series of Saturday games over and over and over, which allows for DC to get in the rhythm of of this thing without having to worry that guys are just getting drained from the fact that it's, you know, 
those Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday uh, sequences, they don't just, they don't just mess you up for the week that follows. They, they drain you for the, you're, you're, you've lost something for the whole season. Every time you have to do one of those triple tips. And uh, fortunately this year, not as many, Uh, hopefully we can get down to even fewer MLS. If you're listening, we should shoot for that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, I I don't anticipate an injury record, anything near like the one we had this year, because this year was just an unusually high number to an extent that I believe um, uh, Pablo Maurer reported um, using some of the data that I've compiled that if if my data was right, then we're talking like an MLS high for the last 15 years. Um, good news is that you probably don't, that's like hitting the lottery, except the opposite. I don't think you're going to hit the lottery again. <laughs> so yeah, there's lots of reasons to think <laughs> this year will be better on that front and other fronts. And I'm excited to see it. Thank you all for listening to this incredibly indulgent episode of filibuster um we've been around for 500 let's see if we can do 500 more we'll see um find us at black and you can find us on twitter at filibuster dcu at black and red U, at jason dc soccer at bromley soccer at the underscore amt um anyone who can recite all that from from memory i apologize you, you shouldn't have to bear that burden. Uh, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly tell a friend about the show that's been going on for entirely too long and tell them to listen back to episodes to get some of the references no, we're don't. making. <laughs> uh, thanks again for listening. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. They'll never take us offline. We're going to do 500 more easy. Happy New Year, everyone. Another 500 after that.